Welcome back to the podcast. It's Christy Dole. You're listening to When Hustle Meets Flow. Today's conversation I'm very excited about. Um, I have a guest on the podcast. She is the creator of Akashic Alchemy on Instagram. She is one of the facilitators at the plant medicine retreat I did earlier this year. Um, and she's just amazing. Her name is Morgan. Um, this conversation, you're going to be learning all about um, her journey, her background, and the work that she does, which includes, but certainly not limited to, she works with the Akashic Records. So we talked about that. She works with plant medicine. She is a shadow alchemist, which she will tell you what that means. Um, and she uses a lot of different tools and practices to support her clients. She has absolutely been an angel for me in my life. I literally met her in May. Um, she held the most incredible space for me and the other women that were at the retreat. Um, she has stayed really consistent in the support that she offers me. I definitely am going to be working with her very soon. Um, and her name is Morgan Fava. So enjoy this podcast. This is really for any, all the people out there that are really into, um, I hate to call it woo, but you know, spiritual energetic practices. So enjoy. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. It's Christy Dole. You're listening to When Hustle Meets Flow. And I have a very uh, special guest today. I'm so excited to welcome to the podcast, Morgan Fava. She is, well, I'll let, I'll let her tell you what she does. Um, but I met Morgan at the retreat that I went to this past May. She was one of the hosts of it and is now like an earth sign angel of mine. Um, so much to talk about, so much to get into, but welcome to the podcast, Morgan. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I love you so much. And so when you asked me to do this, I was just excited for the conversation that we're going to jump into. Oh my God. I'm so excited. Um, so Morgan, tell everyone a little bit about yourself, what you do, all that good stuff. Yeah. So I am a spiritual mentor and guide. I work with a lot of different tools, but to sum it up, um, shadow alchemist, I do a lot of work with shadow parts, the inner child and past timeline healing, just helping others to really unearth their own sacred gifts and wisdom from within creating a solid foundation and being able to expand and step into who it is that they came here to be. Mm, that is so amazing. So just for um, the people that are like, what is a shadow alchemist? <laughs> Can you yeah. talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. So for a while, I kind of denied that that was one of my bigger roles here, but um, I'm am and have always been really comfortable kind of in the shadow aspect. So when we're pulled into those deep challenges or life lessons and things seem really hard, I'm able to sit within that and sit within it with others and help them to navigate through it instead of bypassing it or numbing it out. And so to me, it is being with the parts of ourselves that maybe we shy away from or afraid to look at 
and learning how to integrate that into ourselves because there's really so much magic in those pieces and parts Mm -hmm. that are there to teach us and expand us and so it's just getting to be more in our wholeness instead of parts of ourself always being expressed Mm. and when you talk about the shadow the shadow is the part of us that we don't like the part of us that we repress the the parts of us that get triggered and react or yeah it can be that it can be also our unconscious patterns and belief systems so things that we might not even be fully aware of um and a kind of first step of what I teach others to explore their shadow is to look at other people around you and people who trigger you right Mm -hmm. or parts and aspects of people that you're like you know maybe I don't like that or you're bothered by it and a lot of times that can pinpoint our own shadow or parts of ourselves that we need to explore Mm. so it is often the parts of us that we avoid or have maybe not been aware of and this can be due to the environment that we were raised in due to the conditioning from our parents and even from society and so um there's a lot of layers to it and Mm. it usually starts with just peeling them back one by one and going deeper and deeper within so I've kind of come to learn and I think it was I can't remember who talked about this but I'm certain you've you've added to it but like how we walk a spiral in life right so I'm curious this shadow piece of us does it ever actually ever go away (laughs) or is it something that we just integrate become aware of you know that sort of thing yeah so my personal viewpoint on it and always take what resonates and let the rest go is yeah that we are right we're multi-dimensional beings um we are walking this 3d linear path as a human but we're actually very cyclical in nature and so what we came here to do was to really restore ourselves back to like our true essence and so sometimes that is needing to learn specific lessons or end certain contracts and so I always say it gets to get easier because we can have tools and support as we're on this cyclical path and maybe we cross some trigger of abandonment here and then we come back across it and it's a deeper aspect or a deeper layer or it's coming up in a different way mm-hmm. so when we get to it a second time or a third time or a fifth time we're like oh, okay i i know this i have tools for this and so it does get to get easier but in my perspective there's never like perfection right we never get to this sort of end point where everything's complete and we're all done because there's always more to learn mm-hmm. we can always expand more we can always open our hearts to more love we can always um restore ourselves in a deeper way and something i've been working on just personally too is straying away from like the healer's trap of like we're always healing mm-hmm. because you know that then leads the thought that we're not whole as we are Mm. and I believe that we are right we're we're a whole being perfect in our own way in that moment right because we only really have that now present moment and so the process of like walking the shadow parts and pieces are just to get to know more of ourselves yeah and so that those parts aren't making decisions for us (laughs) right yeah exactly amazing okay so I met Morgan like I said at the retreat this, this past May, 
where I did plant medicine for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing about Morgan, so I didn't know you beforehand. I didn't. No. And, and actually we did online, a couple of online get togethers before we had it. And the truth is I was like, Oh God, I'm like, you kind of intimidated me. I don't know. Like, you're just like so cute and a little quiet. So I was like, Oh shit. Like, I don't know. Does she like me? Does she not? And then when I met you in person, it was like, the warmest, most nurturing, softest blanket. That's how I can re- like the, the space that you set up with Shiloh and Emily, it was so yummy and so nurturing. Um, and throughout the whole weekend, there was just so many moments that I remember you and all three of you guys, but, but you in particular, just really holding space in a way that I was like, I, I can't even believe this exists. I remember saying that to you yeah. a few times. I'm like, I can't believe this actually exists. Like I'm never going backwards. <laughs> this is you set the bar. I'm curious, like what went into holding that space and what kind of personal, I guess, work did you do to kind of, or have you always been this way? Like, I'm just curious about that. Yeah. So I'm going to kind of start, I guess, at the beginning and I'll, I'll kind of end at the retreat space. Yeah. Um, so I am the oldest of five kids wow. and I grew up and, and this is something I actually recently unearthed in my own hop eight, which is a plant medicine experience. But, um, my mom got pregnant with me really young. She was 16 and, um, what came through recently was that while she was pregnant, she put this story on me in the womb that I would be the thing to save her. Mm. And so I have really entered into this human experience, this vessel, and obviously we choose our families and this for a reason, Mm -hmm. um, but always nurturing and taking care of other people. Mm. And so I was like a parent to my parents and Mm kind of like you just said, I've always been this way. I remember being little and always having adults reflect to me like, how are you so, you know, mature or how do you know how to do all these things? And then it would always make me question that. And like, well, how do I, and where does this come from? And really the only thing I've ever come to is that like, I I was born this way because I knew the path that I was signing up for. And so my mom left when I was 11 and I had a nine-year-old sister and who was very, um, rebellious. And then my brothers were, I believe I'm trying to think at the time, like they were like maybe four, three and still under one. So like diapers, bottles, like all the things. And it wasn't even a question of like, how do I do this? It was kind of like, I just stepped in. Yeah. And so, you know, growing up being a teenager, like my dad was amazing in a sense of like always being there as an anchor and just like unconditional love, but definitely not the most like, um, emotionally available mm-hmm. and he's gotten better with his old age. Um, <laughs> that's, that's but promising. <laughs> yeah, he, you know, he was just, he was there. He did all the things he was yeah. here, dad and working and showed up, but Um, yeah, I just sort of always kind of played that part. And I had some very strong women in my life. My 
Nana. Um, but it, again, it's like the parts that we choose. So I remember being like three and sitting on the counter with her and wanting to know how to make Thanksgiving dinner. It's like, yeah. what you know, but those were all like sat in motion. And so like the caring, the cooking, the cleaning that, you know, taking care of a home and then nurturing, loving. And so I kind of like raised my siblings as my own. Wow. Um, my youngest brother actually just had surgery yesterday and it's like so different than just like a sibling. It's like, I feel like it's my child and I carry wow. it in that weight. And so as I grew up and, you know, became the adult self and it was like learning how to take care of myself without that responsibility. And I've always carried a, a level of responsibility, but I always knew that I would be in some sort of work where I was helping people. It was always what I wanted to do as a child that looked like being a doctor or a nurse. Mm. So that's kind of what I got my degree towards um, working in that uh, realm. And then, you know, life happens and, and shifts and turns um, come into play. And once I had my spiritual awakening, I was like, oh, this is what I'm meant to be doing. Oh. And so like life coaching first dropped in and this was probably um, close to a decade ago now. And I started to just really work on myself. And the biggest thing that was important to me and everything that I was doing was safety, because if you don't feel safe, you really don't allow yourself to open up and surrender. Yeah. yeah. And I've been in environments where I don't feel safe. And I can really see where I hold myself back. And so nurturing a level of safety in any container that I hold is like everything to me and the most important mm -hmm. and holding that in its integrity. And so it's sort of been my life path to get to right. Holding these spaces and then, um, you know, being able to just create an environment that I think we often talk about it. It's like, you know, feels like a womb space. It's cozy yeah. and it's, you know, soft and warm and there's no like fear of how you show up in it and you get to just be and how often do we have that, you know, in our day-to-day -day yeah. lives? Hmm. Never, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> never. That's why it was such like, oh my gosh. And what's interesting is like anybody could rent a house and put mattresses on the floor and pillows and candles, but there was something extra extra about it with you guys was there a lot of intention and planning and prayer and meditation around that yeah I mean I met Shiloh who's for those listening is my wife in Peru um three years ago and even just in our early conversations we shared these visions of creating these spaces for women to come and have um you know plant medicine journeys and be held and so, you know, this is something that was, the seed was planted long ago. And then we met Emily and prior to this retreat specifically, there was about six months of deep intention behind what we wanted the space to feel like and be like. We dropped in, in our own journey and we actually like created a womb space that evening of like calling that vibration into the, the field for the weekend um, and making sure that like all needs were met, right. It's like, we didn't want anyone to have to need for anything, but it already be taken care of, whether it's a hot cup of tea or, you know, a safe space to lay down and be comfortable or be held, or just like, we wanted everything to just be presented and 
Um, we know a lot of the women who come to our retreats are our mothers and, you know, to take that time away and give yourself that it's like wanting to create a space that you can rest to and come back feeling refreshed and rejuvenated. And so, yeah, we set a lot of prayer and intention behind it. And then even the weekend of, you know, a lot of gritting and protection of the space, a lot of clearing of the energy and stuff that's being moved um, and just trying to stay, you know, a couple steps ahead of everything to make sure that um, everyone still stays in that container of safety. It was so nice. <laughs> I loved it. I know. I want to go back. <laughs> I know. I know. You. We'll, we'll talk about the one that's coming up um, at, towards the end, but um, I want to talk about plant medicine. But before I do that, you mentioned that you have had your spiritual awakening. Um, and I want to just ask you, in your opinion, what are like some like signs that someone is going through a spiritual awakening for those that are listening and wondering what is that? And am I in it? <laughs> yeah. Um, so in like the most generic way to put it, it would be to me kind of like the thought of trying to fit a round peg into a square hole, right. Where you're just oh. trying to do all the things and met with resistance. Oh. Um, for those of you who are familiar with astrology, there's like the Saturn return that happens right at about 27, 28, a lot of people I know start to have their awakening at that point. I know with the massive shift that we've had as a human collective in the last couple of years, that has stirred the pot, right? Energetically. And so some signs are, it's just like, right? Like for me, it was everything I thought I wanted was suddenly just literally disintegrating and crumbling. Like even in a physical sense, my dog was like eating my home and I'm like, what is going on? You know, it was like (laughs) weird things. And, um, so yeah, it's like, if you feel like you're banging your head against the wall, right. You're going to work every day, dreading it. And, you know, just feeling completely detached, um, a lot of anxiety, um, you know, numbing out if you find yourself, you know, every day needing to come home and drink or do something to kind of right detach from having a hard day. And like, I've been there, it's right, like, oh, as soon as I get off work, I'm going to go have, you know, my glass of wine or my beer. And it's like needing, if you need something to unwind and kind of disassociate, it's an opportunity to look at maybe what isn't working. And so um, in our spiritual awakenings, a lot of times I think of it as like, spirit or source or divine, whatever word lands, like picking us up and putting us on a more direct path. It's not that any path is right or wrong, but one might be a little easier than the other. And sometimes if we've just been, you know, trudging down this darker, harder, you know, path that's covered with sticks and vines, and it's just been really difficult, it might be this moment of like, okay, I'm just going to make things a little uncomfortable for a moment. And I'm going to move you here and kind of reset the space. And so it's just like looking at, at what's going on around you. And if a lot of things feel like they're not working, it's probably not in the highest alignment and time to kind of pause and go inward and, you know, listen. So with your description, you can absolutely have a spiritual awakening multiple times in your life. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Cause I think a lot of times people think it's just like a one and done. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but it's not right. Cause I think I've had like 10. Yeah, yeah. I know when I was 19, 
my boyfriend at the time took me to my, like a personal growth conference. Hmm. And it was like the first time that I realized my thoughts create my reality. And I, it was like the, that was for sure my first awakening. And then at 29, my Saturn return came for me hard. And I remember I was like sitting in a cube. I was like in an actual cube, you know, like a corporate America cube staring at my computer. And I was like, I cannot do this. Yeah. I called my husband or he was my fiance at the time. And I was like, I want to become a travel agent. And he was like, no, <laughs> there's this thing called the internet. And <laughs> I don't think yeah. travel agents are a thing. So I said, fine, I want to become a yoga teacher. And that yeah. literally started my path on the path that I am today, which is so interesting. So, okay, let's switch gears for a moment and talk a little bit about plant medicine. Um, I'm going to just start it off with Well, actually, yeah, I'm going to ask you, tell me, I guess, what your experience with it. If you can actually start by like maybe defining it and even including like what, what would you include in plant medicine and your experience and all that stuff? Yeah. I mean, I guess defining it would be, you know, I think of them as just our plant allies or resources, um, to me, they're field expanders. So you can go to the extremes of it, or you can work with things that are non-psychoactive and mild, but still really supportive. And I'll talk a little bit more about different ones to work with, but to me, plant medicine is an opportunity to meet more of our consciousness it's not going to do the work for us. It's not going to be this, you know, one ceremony and I'm healed and fixed and done. Uh It is just an opportunity to also be held right in a safe space. And it's, I always think of it as like, you know, this kind of, like you said, this safety blanket or this warmth that will hold your hand into some of the deepest, darkest layers that we have. And just let us be with it and see it and observe it and get new perspective and understand it more. And then we come back into our reality and we take that information and we, we work with integrating it and it helps it so that that story doesn't hold power over us anymore. Right. Whether it's, I'm not good enough or I'm unlovable or everyone leaves me like all of our limiting beliefs and we get to see the roots of where they started and why they're there. And sometimes it's just that awareness and understanding that helps us to move through it. Um, I grew up in a very religious home and environment and I was like the model dare student. And so even for me, like I didn't even smoke weed until I was 25. (laughs) (laughs) Like I was of the mind of like, you know, mushrooms are going to make you jump off a roof and do bad. Like that was my mindset. And, um, you didn't smoke weed until you were 25. Is that what you said? Yeah. Oh my gosh. And, um, I went through a breakup that really like knocked me down and I was listening to, you know, self-help and podcasts. And I remember hearing, I think it was something from Terrence McKenna about how, um, LSD can open us up to be, um, more empathetic where we can really like put ourselves in other people's, you know, Mm -hmm. shoes and have a deeper understanding because of my journey with my mom. I think I always was like, how could she do that or why? And I really wanted to understand and I never could. And so the second I heard that, I was like, hmm, maybe this is something for me to explore. And of course, you know, 
coincidence, no coincidence, the right people started to come into my path, the right conversations. And so my first experience with a psychedelic was with LSD Mm -hmm. and it was really beautiful and loving and definitely just a soft, get my, you know, dip my toes in. But from there it did, it opened my mind in ways that I never really could have imagined or thought possible. And so since then I've been on this journey of working with many different plant essences and um, that being ayahuasca. I did three weeks in the jungle or in the sacred Valley of Peru, working with that um, Sapo or it's called Bufo or Sapo, which is the most potent psychedelic in wow. the, on the planet. Is that from frogs? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, mushrooms or psilocybin. Um, and then I work with, like I said, non-psychoactive. So working with hape and, or rape it's called, then cacao and different essences, and they all hold a different frequency. And so it's kind of like we in Western culture, right, would maybe go to our supplement cabinet or medicine cabinet to help with things that we're going through physically. And so mentally and emotionally, we can use plant medicines to open our heart space if we're feeling blocked or there's ones that help us to ground into our body. And maybe we're often not in our physical body because it feels unsafe. And so we can work with them to um, cultivate, you know, healthier practices. And my favorite thing about them is that none of it is meant to be a dependency or something that we do long-term. It's just a tool. It's a tool to help us when we need it. It's there for support, but it's nothing that we should need long-term or forever. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So, and, and cannabis is in that, right? Yeah. Cannabis. Medicine. And I know at the retreat, I, we started, I think I started off with sassafras. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that was a heart opener, right? Yeah. So sassafras is like the pure plant form of MDMA. MDA. So MDMA would be like synthetic, um, what you would get. And then sassafras is the plant form of it. And yeah, there's a lot of different tinctures and mixtures and formulations that um, can be used to support those needs. But yeah, heart openers, there's ones that are more masculine driven and more feminine driven. And even what they're doing with different strains of psilocybin right now and like hybrid mixes are to work with those energies too, right? It's like, what do you want this experience to be? Is it to be more in touch with your feminine to drop more into your body. And we can really create a unique formulation for each person. Wow. So I'm going to ask you just a couple. Well, the the question I have right now is you mentioned that uh, plant medicine expands the field. Could you just define that a little bit for someone who might not know what that means? Yeah. So, um, a couple of things I like to reference for people who are maybe just curious. Mm-hmm. Um, one is that there are some amazing documentaries being created right now that are easily accessible. So how to heal your mind is a great one. It's a four part series on Netflix. Um, fantastic fungi is a great one. Those just kind of give you a soft space to land and just hear a little bit more about it, learn a little bit more. Um, if you go online and just Google like the mind on psilocybin, it will show you, there's this really beautiful, colorful picture of our normal neural pathways and how many there are. 
Yep. And yep. then there's one, a scan of the mind on psilocybin. Mm. And it's, I, I don't know exactly, at least five times, six times more neural pathways open and connecting. Wow. So that's what I mean by an expander. So not only on mm-hmm. like an actual physiological level, are we opening up more of our mind, right? And, and there's the, the belief that we only use, right? Such a small portion of our brain. Mm-hmm. And so it expands us into more of our consciousness. We get to open up these new pathways. Um, another way I've heard it described that I love is for those who've seen the movie Inside Out. Yeah. And you know, the connections to the islands, right? So it's like family island and friendship. So those are neural pathways. Like Mm -hmm. that movie is so intelligently made. Um, And if you think of like a child, right? Zero to seven is so impressionable. And so those tracks get worn down because it's like the big core things, right? Family, friendship, love. I think there's like her hockey or whatever it is. Yeah. And so our brain will fire the most direct pathway because that's our programmed reaction. That's what's working, right? That subconscious mind in the background. And so when we work with psilocybin, maybe one of those pathways isn't the healthiest. Maybe Mm. we go to a pathway that's like constantly causing us to shut down our voice because somewhere someone told us it wasn't important. And so we've laid this track and it's heavily worn and that's just the one that we constantly go to. Mm -hmm. When we work with psychedelics and specifically psilocybin, it can expand the field. And maybe instead of that direct path that we're used to, we create a new path Mm. and we start to lay down a track where instead of going to the story that our voice doesn't matter, we break that old program and we can start to lay down a new pathway of, I get to speak my truth. They get to ask for what I need. And so it expands the field and allows us to like dissolve those stories that are keeping us stuck or held back and step into more of who we are. And when you say field, like as you're speaking it, I understand the way when you say field, I understand it as like our energetic field, like essentially like source God. Um, but also I think you're using it in the way of it, it's, it expands possibilities in your mind. Yeah, absolutely. So my first experience with you guys was so nice. It was so loving. It Okay. Well, let me back it up. When I did mushrooms in college, which was not healing at all. Right. It was like right. with, with like my drug dealer, ex-boyfriend, and like his friends, his fraternity friends. I always remember, I, I, I think I, I had done mushrooms maybe three or four times in college. And I always felt that, and I told you guys this when I, at the, at the retreat, but I always felt like this falling feeling that I mm-hmm. always used to resist. And when I was with you guys, I did not feel that at all. When I came home and like a month later, I sat in ceremony with my husband and did psilocybin. The feeling was there. um, And I had such a different experience and it wasn't bad. It was just very different. And so I'm curious, what would you say to somebody who like wants to do this because they feel called to it, but they're scared? And what is it like my intuition tells me that the plant almost knows like what you need and when you need it. And so that's why I had like with my, with you guys, I just felt so loved. And it was like, my message was I'm lovable and it's easy to love me and just allow that. And then with my husband, it was, I just, it was like all this shame, not even to do with my husband, just shame from my life and everything just came up and out. 
And so, yeah, if you could talk to those two things, like what would you say to somebody who feels scared about having a quote unquote bad trip? And what, and what is, what is the intelligence of like the plant giving you what you need when it needs it and things like that? Yeah. So just kind of some basics with journeying in general is making sure that your set, your setting and your dosage are mm-hmm. all kind of cared for. So having a guide is really important, especially if it's something you've never done. Mm-hmm. Um, and it being someone that you, you know, trust and feel safe with set is the set of your mind. So mindset, where's your mindset at? Right. Um, you know, I don't personally, like even for myself, when I'm going through deeper stuff or heavier stuff, I won't journey. Not that I'm afraid of a bad trip. I don't necessarily believe in a bad trip. I think everything's happening for us. Um, but it's just like, is this the most loving thing for me right now? So Hmm. usually the set of your mind, if you're preparing for a journey, you're already hopefully working with a coach who's preparing you and you're setting intentions and you're doing pre-work. So the set of your mind is, um, you know, healthy as you go into it, the setting is your environment, right? And so, so much factors into it, but the music, like music moves the medicine, Um, That's why you see shaman who sing their Icaros the entire night of an ayahuasca journey. It's not just to fill the space with sound. They're literally moving the journey, feeling the energy and, you know, clearing and bringing stuff up. And so music is important. Lighting is important. The environment is important. Um, You know, making sure again, that safety piece is there and then dosage. And so, you know, having someone who knows proper dosing, because, Sometimes there can be fear of, right, um, you know, going too deep. And so it's always to start low and slow. And sometimes we meet an edge of like resistance or anxiety of really breaking through. And the way to really do that sometimes is to have more. And so having someone who is um, (laughs) knowledgeable in that and can, can guide you and support you. So those all play a factor. Um, And then as far as like the fear, you know, it is the unknown. And that's kind of one of the, you know, biggest human conditions is our ego wants to keep us safe in our comfort zone, right? In our box. And it's like, no, you're good here. You don't need to go there. And so the the fear is normal, but if you have support preparing you for it, knowing that you're held during it and then support after, that really helps to soften that fear piece. Because again, if you feel safe to go there and surrender, um, you know, I had a private journey for a client recently who had never done anything in her life. And she just got a very clear message that this was what she needed. And she went all in, like, I've never seen someone just commit and go there. And it blew me away, even as a practitioner to just witness someone who was in such trust with herself, right. Her own intuition and what she received. And then, you know, gratitude for her trust in in us to hold the space. Um, And then just to really fully surrender to what the medicine had in store for her. And like you mentioned earlier, you know, it is going to bring up what's present. So whatever is there, whether we're conscious to it or not, that is what the medicine is going to bring up. And it's usually sometimes, you know, stuff that 
we have some thoughts of, or we kind of think like, you know, oh, this anxiety is attached to this, or I'm feeling this way. And it'll, it brings it up because it's bringing up what we've been resisting. And that's where that expansion comes in. I love that. And do you think that the medicine, the plant, I mean, I've heard ayahuasca is like this intelligence and it just gives you what you need when you need it. Would you say that's the same for like all plants? They, it just has this intelligence that delivers what you need when you need it. I think when done with intention mm-hmm. and correctly, um, yes. And, you know, I've had some personal psilocybin journeys where I just am always in such gratitude for the plant itself or the mushroom. Hmm. And every time I give gratitude, I'm reminded of the intelligence that they carry and the wisdom that they have. And that, yes, it's like their own energy of wanting us as souls in this human experience to evolve, right. To become more conscious, to become more aware, to come back to a collective consciousness, right. Of, of unity and love. And, um, I think I shared yesterday in my Instagram around like when I've done DMT, which is a very potent psychedelic, I have this same experience always. And it's like, you silly humans are so dumb because it's (laughs) so simple. It's literally about love and like connection and unity. Right. And we really overcomplicate things. And we really like to tell these good stories that keep us stuck in believing Mm -hmm. that we're, you know, anything less than like, a you know, a reflection of source. And so, um, yeah, I have the same journey over and over again. It's kind of comical. That's funny. Um, I'm curious, like when I've microdosed on my own, again, I just got like a bar of chocolates and I, I would get that falling feeling. I would get that. And it was only with just like a, a little bit. I, is that me? Like, what is that? Um, when you say falling, do you mean like, like, can you describe that a little bit more? Like anxiety. Like I, like I said, I, I had like leftover chocolate and would just do one, you know, one gram or whatever. And I would just, it's like, um, you know, the feeling you get when you're like going over the hump of a roller coaster and you're about Mm -hmm. to go, it's Mm -hmm. that feeling that's, that's the physical feeling. And then, um, I get, yeah, anxious and kind of like, um, what's the word when you think everyone's, um, like paranoid, paranoid. Thank you. So, and that's what I would say. Yeah. What I would say to that is you could start with a lower dose, right? If it's like bringing up that much and see if that adjusts it. But also, um, I find that a lot of times when clients start out with it, depending on their background and kind of their experience with psychedelics, we may consciously or unconsciously carry this belief that we're doing something bad or wrong because of what it is. And so it carries that anxiety or paranoia, right? So if you think of being like a 13-year-old kid who's taking, you know, weed for the first time and you're hiding it from your parents, you're probably a little anxious and you're probably a little paranoid. That hits because when I've done it, it's, I've been not alone, if you will. Mm -hmm. So that hits. Okay. 
did that just come through for me or is that just in general? It happens a lot, like, especially with moms, moms, right. It's like, I'm doing something bad. And, and I think my background, right. Like I said, I didn't even smoke weed till 25. Cause I'm like, it's bad. It's wrong. And I still meet that edge sometimes. Like I had to clear in my own Akashic record, this story of like even making money, doing what I'm doing, because it goes against religious beliefs that I grew mm. up around that it's bad or wrong. And it created anxiety and it created mm. blocks and paranoia. So, um, I think that's really common and, and it's just like, when you're in that moment, now that you have awareness, you know, it's safe, yeah. not doing anything bad. And you know, what's crazy. Oh my God. Just so you know, that massively landed <laughs> I, in my head, it's so funny how consciously I'm like, no, no, like I'm a responsible, good parent, da, da, da. But what you just said just landed because I don't take and no shame, no judgment to anyone who does, but I don't take medications mm-hmm. for anything. Um, but if I did, I probably wouldn't have guilt about it. Right. I, I, so that's so, that's so conditioning. All right. I have two more. Well, I have two more questions. Um, you, ugh, I'm like, you just mentioned the Akashic records. I'm like, do I talk about that? Or do I talk about the inner child? Let's see if we can do both. But, um, you just mentioned the Akashic records. Could you tell us what that is? And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How many so, people are in your Academy, by the way, I was curious. Cause you're running, you're running a big course right now on Akashic. I'm just curious. Yeah. Yeah. People are in it. Other people how to open their records. Um, so the Akashic records are known as the book of life or the library of your soul. Um, if you think of this energetic storehouse of information, it exists within a higher dimensional field. And just like we would go to Google to write type a question, get an answer, we can attune ourselves or our frequency to tap into that. Um, and it holds every word, thought, deed, action, emotion, intention, um, contract agreement from our soul's inception to finality. And so we can access this information and it helps bring insight into some of our limiting beliefs and stories. We can work with our chakras. We can heal past life, um, you know, fragments of our soul that are maybe stuck in a past experience where we believed that, you know, everyone leaves us and that story carries forward. Um, you can work with items and, and animals. Like there's really a a limitless amount of possibilities when it comes to working in the records, but they've become my favorite tool. They came to me really early on in my spiritual awakening. Um, and it's been a space for me to grow and learn how to trust myself and my intuition. And it's been such an expander for me to meet my clients with, because, you know, just like a medicine journey, I can drop in with them take them on what is kind of like a guided imagery meditative journey Mm -hmm. and get so much support directly for where they're at and like clear next steps of where to go. Mm. So it's almost like, cause I've had, had an Akashic record reading, not from you, from someone else, but you've also opened my records before. It's almost like you have, she can kind of go in and see like what's going on with a certain aspect of your life, because in these records, that information is there. Does that sound correct? Okay. Yeah. Awesome. And you give those readings, right? Yes. Yes. Um, and how would the Akashic records, like, why would someone want a reading? What would motive, you know, 
how, how does someone know if they're ready for that? Yeah. So I always say if, you know, sometimes I hear a lot of clients coming and they're like, I just started to hear this word, right. Akashic starts coming in their field. And then all of a sudden it's very present. Yeah. Um, and if that's the case, I say, you know, just find a practitioner that you resonate with and book a session and just see for yourself. Um, I'm of the type that likes to just do the thing and make a decision, you know, based after that. Um, but you know, common things people come to the records for are, kind of the big three are money, right? Abundance, kind of financial blocks, um, love, you know, is this my soulmate or is this my person or am I going to meet my person? And then purpose being kind of Mm. the biggest one. Um, Those three are most common, but I've helped people with physical body things, you know, even diet. Like I use it for my own, you know, physical, like what is the best thing for my body to be eating? Like even asking macros, right? Like what is most nourishing right now? And you can use it for day-to-day simple things, or you can use it to, like I said, clear deeper, you know, wounds and contracts that you've been carrying. Okay. Awesome. Um, all right. This was that was like a, like a question that I didn't have planned, but you mentioned the Akashic. So I wanted to touch on that, but one of the things that you teach on and talk about, and a lot of your content on your pages about the inner child and the inner teenager. Um, I've talked a lot about the inner child here on this podcast. Would you talk a little bit about, um, the inner teenager and more specifically, how would someone know if it's their inner teenager that they want to tend that they really ought to tend to versus their inner child and what would be the difference in how they do that? (laughs) So kind of like we talked about earlier, right? Like nothing is a clear linear path when we're doing all this work. And so it's, it's layered and it's connected, but the inner child, if you think of a child, right, what they, they need their needs met, they need to have a safe space. They need to be nurtured and held and encouraged to, you know, be their self. Now the inner teenager because it's this aspect of the child that's then in this transitionary phase. And I think what a lot of us don't realize is like teenagers actually considered kind of like 13 to 25. Mm -hmm. And so when you think of right, that point in your life and how you maybe lived that experience and teenagers are pressured with so many things, right? It's like making these big decisions at 18 that are going to affect the rest of your life is the you know, cultural beliefs. Yeah. And so the inner teenager takes on this role of protector. It it's protecting that inner child part. Mm. So a lot of times we don't meet the inner teenager until we can soften some of the inner child part by nurturing it because it's just there protecting and it's going to protect and protect and protect until there's a moment where it's like, okay, I can ease up this job because you're showing up for your inner child and doing that work to nurture it. But then the inner teenager comes out and I walked this very deeply this summer myself, where all of a sudden I was like back to wearing my, you know, black <laughs> lipstick and blasting my emo music and just like really questioning everything and angry and the inner teenager especially as females, right? We are in a patriarchal society where there's this conditioning of like needing to be the good girl and to not, you know, speak out too much and rock the boat. And so the inner teenager part is 
going to come out in the bigger emotions when you're feeling frustrated, when you're feeling angry, when you're feeling defeated, when you're, you know, mad at the world, like society, right? It's like those big emotions. And if you think of like teenage Mm -hmm. hormones too, right? This transition into puberty and our bodies are changing. And so even like pleasure and our beliefs around sexuality coming up. And when we work with the inner teenager, it's creating a safe space for them to feel those feelings. So it's more about the emotional aspect than the needing to like meet the inner child's needs in a sense of like nurturing and affirmations, right? Like you are safe and I'm here and you are worthy. That's what the inner child needs. The inner teenager is like needs a place to let out the emotions. And so I love, you know, sacred rage and breath work and movement and letting them be who they maybe didn't get to be. Mm. And the magic of healing with the inner teenager is because if you think of teenage energy too, right, it's new and it's like passionate a lot of times and it's fiery. And maybe that's where a lot of creative energy comes from. And so we can harness it in ways of like, um, you know, if you think of like the rebellious inner teenager, they're probably not going to take shit from anyone. They're not going to be afraid to ask for what they need, right? They're not going to question what they're wearing or doing or saying, because they're just going to be in their full expression. And so it's a beautiful thing to navigate the inner teenager in like letting the big feelings out and then seeing how they can also work with the adult self, because Mm -hmm. really it's all one trend, you know, we're child, the teenager to adult. And so the adult self can then incorporate some of the healed aspects of those in positive, really magical ways. So amazing. I want to share when I was, I've been doing inner child work, I think for maybe three, four years now. And it was actually a year ago that I was on the couch and I was here. I think it was like my aunt was dying of COVID and it was, there was just like stuff that I was feeling. And in my mind, I was like, okay, I'm going to go to this part of myself, do the whole inner child work. And my inner child was 13. It was the first time Mm. that she was older. And I was like, whoa, like what are, and, and I have never even contemplated that version of me. I've always gone to like the four or five year old version of me. And she was 13 and I was like, wow, that's crazy. And then from that point, and I think it was till about the beginning, I think it was till probably the retreat, I started to really explore the 16 year old version of myself. And I'm actually, it's, I'm putting puzzle pieces together. I was triggered, very triggered this weekend. Like I've realized this thing that happened is my biggest, biggest trigger. And it's when adults disappoint my kids. Mm-hmm. It's when adults make plans, but then cancel. Mm-hmm. I, I see red, like red. And I'm realizing now I, when I was 16, I moved from Massachusetts to Arizona mm-hmm. and nobody, I had no voice. I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to leave my hometown as a junior in high school and go move 3000 miles away. And I've realized, I think that's part of it. So would you say that the, as not, it's it's not obviously like so cut and dry, but would you say your inner child is going to show up sad and your inner teen is going to show up angry? I mean, like you said, it's not so cut and dry, but I do find that there's more of the anger emotions, right? The frustration, like you said, seeing red um, with the teenager. And because even for me, right? Like everything I've gone through in my life, anger is not actually something that I 
feel often. You're like, ah, when you're supposed to scream. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like, it's just, it's such a weird emotion for me to feel. But when I've been working with the inner teenager, it's like letting it out in a way that feels good. Yeah. Where it's like, no, this is safe to be angry and it's okay to feel those things. Um, Yeah, it's like the bubbling over emotions, you know? And if you Mm. think of, puberty and bubbling over change, right? Like think of a kid's emotions pre-puberty versus after, right? It's different. There's a shift in it. We feel it differently. And so that's how the difference is with our inner child and inner teenager. I love that. So it's not necessarily sad, angry, but it's like the bubbling over. Yeah. I love that. This was, I could seriously talk to you. I know you have to, you have a hard stop at one. So this was so amazing. Um, the last question I had for you, I wrote it down at the beginning of this call is like, what is God to you or who is goddess to you? Um, yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> um, I think, you know, it shifts and changes not often, but because I grew up so religious, you know, it's like, there's still some attachments oh. to like, sorry, thinking of it, it as anything different By the way, than like. You just said sorry like a Canadian. Tell Shadow that. My wife <laughs> here too right now. So it's, it's um you said sorry. To me, it is I guess the word that resonates the most for me right now is creator. Hmm. And I'll share a little nerdy story to kind of end this out because this yeah. is something that goes way back to college where I was studying the human bio, you know, human biology, working with cadavers. And I remember dissecting a heart. I think it was a sheep's heart though. And holding it in my hand and being so amazed at how intricately made, right. It is like, if one thing was off, it wouldn't, we wouldn't survive, right. The way the chambers and the blood and everything. And it's like a geeking out moment. But I remember thinking like, there's no way to me personally, that there's not a greater energy behind creation Mm. because of how beautiful it is. And then to witness my nieces being brought into the world, right. The magic of a child being born Mm. and then looking to nature, like there's so much beauty when we like really look at it, that to me, it's this creator that has created this field, this world, this space, this environment for us to exist within. And I don't really see things as bad or wrong anymore. It's all just like a learning experience and an opportunity to grow. And, you know, today I took a morning walk and I was listening to a mindful meditation and in the meditation, it said, you know, now look to your surroundings and what do you see and what do you smell? And as it said, smell, I was literally walking by a massive garbage can and I thought, (laughs) I could be like, ew, I smell trash. And yeah. in that moment, I was like, but I can smell, which yeah. means I'm alive. Yep. Which means that I'm existing in this yeah. human experience. And I'm really grateful for that. Yeah. And so that is kind of, yeah, like knowing that there's something greater behind all this, but that we are also a reflection of source. Hmm. Everyone around us is. That's so beautiful. Yeah, you absolutely are. I mean, we all are, but you are absolutely an expression of goddess for sure. Um, Tell everybody where they can like find you, follow you, work with you. Yeah. So I'm on Instagram at Akashic double 
underscore um, alchemy, a double underscore. Um, same website, akashicalchemy.com. And um, yeah, you can find my offerings. I have digital courses and more in-depth stuff. I try to have different tiers to meet everyone where they're at. So, And you have another retreat coming up. Yeah, we're a month away from our fall retreat called Rapture. That information's all on my Instagram as well. But that's similar to what I went to, but like a different theme and vibe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. So you could do plant medicine there. Yep. Plant medicine retreat, sacred women's retreat. Um, lots of play in this one in a different way with our inner child and opportunities for that inner teenager to come out. That looks so fun. All right. I love you so much. Thank you love so, you. so much for coming on the podcast. Yeah, thank you thank guys. You oh, you guys, how amazing was that conversation? I could have talked to her for another hour. There's still so much that we didn't even get to talk about sacred geometry, uh, the galactic family. I mean, there's so this, this woman, Morgan has so much knowledge. She has, yeah, she's really just tuned in, tapped on, turned on. She's all the things. So wanted to remind you guys, if you want to find her, I'm going to just kind of spell it out for you. She is at Akashic, which is A K. A-S-H-I, hang on, I want to make sure I have it right in here. Okay. She is A-K-A-S-H-I-C, then two underscores, and then the word alchemy, A-L-C-H-E-M-Y. And she does have coaching. She has courses you can buy. She has um, plant medicine um, journeys that, that she can do for you. So go check her out. And for those of you that are looking for support from me, um, I do have openings right now for coaching, for one-to-one coaching. This is really going to be, um, I'm really honing in my niche more and I'm working, I'm a life coach for spiritual um, women that fall in that really Gen Z millennial category. Um, You're looking for support in your awakening. You're looking for support in returning back to your truth. You're looking for support on your confidence and your self-esteem steam and learning how to put yourself there first and learning how to nurture your inner child. This is all the work that I do. So if that um, resonates with you and you want to get started, you can simply email me at whenhustlemeetsflow at gmail.com and we can get that conversation started. I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. As always, take a picture, share it on your social, tag me, tag Morgan, let us know what the biggest aha was, and I will see you next week.